All right, so welcome to another edition of Name Two Bands with Andy and Andy. Good evening. Of course, my name is Andy Brown, and joining me as always, it's Andy Sanford. How are you, Andy? Good evening. I'm wonderful. Fantastic. Uh, And before we introduce our guests, um, you have been putting up uh, a bunch of your music up on YouTube. Well, firstly, Um, I released a new album this Saturday, this past Saturday. Put out a brand new album. Oh, you did? Yes. And as well, I also put a solo stuff. Yeah, yeah, new solo album. I hate to jump the gun here, but uh, is it what is it? Waiting for everything. That's the first song on it. It's the album's called Reflection. That's the first song on it. When I put up the YouTube playlist, the whole... it puts the first. It just calls it by whatever the first song is. Uh, so I don't. I don't know. Well, I listened to the whole thing, and I must say that that song kicks ass. Awesome, thank you. Sure. Hell yeah. And that is, of course, uh, our old friend Brent Kick. Um, how There's are you our, doing, Brent? Our special guest, gentlemen. How are we doing tonight? Fantastic. Um, Wunderbar. So uh, I guess my, my first question for you, Brent, um, would be uh, how much do you love uh, Javi Baez and Alberto Mora? Well, I, um, you know, I, I'm tired of hearing about this whole, uh, you know, Al Mora versus Hap thing. I think that um, we need to get Al Mora more playing time. What is he, third in the NL in hitting right now? I mean, mm-hmm. he's uh, playing stellar defense and he is – making good contact you know i see no reason why he shouldn't be out there every day except for against you know probably the really tough righties it it appears to be having some trouble with but overall no i couldn't be happier in javi um you know he actually drew two walks in one game which was amazing um, you know unprecedented last week so uh no no i i I just wish we could score some runs i wish we could hit have some timelier hitting um, what if we drop five straight now? I'm I'm looking right now at Chavez Ravine, and hopefully we can end this uh, snap this uh, losing skid right now. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, <laughs> I, I I think they're going to be fine though. Um, they, My question is: Is how depressing it will it be when you lose to the Braves in the playoffs? You know, they're oh, looking tough. Yeah. They're looking. They're, uh... Let's see. Yeah, no, no, well, you're right. We will see, but um, that's a good young team right there. It reminds me, you know, God, yeah, how many yeah. times can a Cubs fan say this? It reminds me of us three years ago. <laughs> yeah, it does a little bit. It's well, as long as we get, down to, uh, as long we get one out of three. Of schedule. Yeah, definitely had a schedule. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I just did listen to Manny Trio's podcast uh, with you guys yesterday. So I do want to ask, you know, how is uh, Man- uh, Max Scherzer doing against the Braves this year? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Uh, that was that one game. Yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> uh, so before we get to uh, discussing uh, this week's bands, um, we should talk just a little bit about just how into music you are, Brent. Um, yeah. And to give everybody an idea, like how many gigs of hard drive space would you say you have that is just music? No, we're we're talking terabytes here. I've just expanded oh, yeah. to eight. <laughs> I've just expanded to um, dual eight. Te- well, quad or try eight terabyte drives. Um, Jesus, just to make sure I have redundancy going. But, Is it like like a RAID system? Um, you don't have yeah. twenty four terabytes of music. Correct. It's okay. three eight terabytes. Gotcha. You know, with two backups, so yeah. it's a little it's a little ridiculous. But, I have I have um, I have one eight terabyte and faith. Well. <laughs> I, you know, I don't even know what I would do if, you know, I, I keep one off site. You know, I won't say where, but, you know, in case my boss is listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I just, you know, I've been, I've been, you know, slowly converting my collection and building my collection since 98 when I first heard of MP3s. You know, and I, I probably should have converted to FLAC at some point, but 
um yeah you know it it's it just it overwhelms my life it really does and if you had to guesstimate um how many shows do you think you've been to oh man well you know there's a there's a interesting site called concertarchives.org i believe it is and i i try documenting just the, just the shows i have ticket stubs for and it, you know it's it's somewhat modest it's in the 300s and something but i mean that doesn't include all the street festivals all the you know but you got to remember you know i mean even though i was born a year before jim gross he's actually older than i am but <laughs> he's um, older than everybody. you know yeah, yeah, 50, 50 years old that's not that's not a lot of shows to be honest with you i mean i was doing in the 90s i was probably doing 20 30 name bands you know ticketed shows a year but you know i mean i think I think I only went to like one show last year. It's just last year was kind of rough physically. You know, I just hurt my back and going through it again, but I haven't been to, I don't think I've been to a show this year yet. So, um, no, I did. I take that back. I did go to the Joshua tree tour tying in with our show tonight. I did do that show last Yikes. year, soldier field, which was a pretty badass show to be honest with you. Um, yeah, but, sure. but otherwise, no, I, I haven't been going to as many shows as I used to. Um, it's probably been, three or four years since I went to at least 10, but no, I, I, I do love live music. Um, but you know, I'm turning into that old man where it's like, stay off my line. I don't, I want to have elbow room. And you don't, <laughs> you just don't do that at shows anymore. And it's just, you know, I used to be, you know, crowd surfing and I'd slam dance. I'd go see, you know, DOA or flipper or TSOL or whoever back just in the Just go 80s stand at the soundboard. Re- it's safe back there. And it sounds the best. Well, that's true. There, there is, you know, but in Chicago, it's just like anything, any any show resembling a name band is not going to have any room even at the soundboard anymore. It's just True. you know, I that's one kind of one thing I kind of dug about Riot Fest. Even though this year this year's lineup is really you know, my daughter will kill me for saying this, but when Blink One Eighty Two is head, headlining a punk festival, it's you know <laughs> something's uh, wrong. Something has yeah. gone wrong. You know, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, we've reached the darkest timeline. Rocks. <laughs> like Bon Jovi is too punk as um, Bon Jovi is too thrash metal. You know, I mean, um, Blink One Eighty Two is to punk as Bon Jovi is to thrash metal. I believe is what you meant. Yeah. Is that what I, yeah. Okay, that's what I meant. I don't know. I'm, I, honestly, I'm quite medicated right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Me too. <laughs> I'm always medicated. You know, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting yeah, Andy's medicated every episode. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping tomorrow they get my. I've been two. It's been two weeks since my independent exam, so I'm gonna find out hopefully next year too about back surgery. But anyway, so bear with me here. But um, my point is, even I, I. So anyway, I do. I do like some of the lineup for Riot Fest every year, and I do appreciate the fact that you can go sit outside and not have to be um, crowd surfing or being moshed anymore. Although I did jump in three years ago for bad religion, just because it was actually kind of fun. Sure. You know, so yeah, I've been to, I've been to a fair amount of shows. I, an exact count, I don't know, but you know, like I said, ticketed that I can still find stubs for in the three hundreds. Yeah. That's way more than I've been into. Um, well, I'm sure Andy there. could dwarf, dwarf yeah, head. Andy could yeah. probably come. I don't know if I'd dwarf just, it. I, uh, just I, Kiss shows, probably. I've only seen Kiss yeah. about 30 times now. Come on. You know, um, <laughs> I'm going to add two more you know, shows to my ween count here in October. They're coming to Atlanta for two nights. Nice. And oh, if yeah. I can digress a second, you know, one thing I was thinking about when I was listening to some of your podcasts is kind of um, – kind of like the touchstones of your life and kind of thing, you know, when people talk about music made an impact at a young age and back in the summer of 78, I remember I was going to um, spend the summer with my aunt and uncle 
aunt and uncle up in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin um, on their on their dairy farm. And um, I think it had to be probably like late July, early August, because I remember Pete Rose was in the midst of his streaks. There were network TV cutting in on a regular basis almost every night to show his at-bats, which is, you know, unheard of in this day and age. Stopped by again. the Braves, might I add? Yeah, it's Gene Garber, wasn't it? Gene Garber. Yeah, and Rick Camp. I know it's Gene Garber. It was Gene Garber. Um, I remember that um, one of the first albums that I ever listened to nonstop and actually probably the third album I ever spent my own money on was um, Kiss Double Platinum, yeah, which yeah. To, this, to this day is... Um, you know, just an album that I absolutely just loved oh, cranking yeah. the cart. Great that, stuff on that there. full volume. And you might call me a heretic, but I really love um, Strutter 78 versus know. the original Strutter. I, I couldn't say that I like the 78 better, but I like it as a, as something different. Okay. And you know, there's, okay, there's, 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 there's a single mix on the 45 is completely different from the okay. album mix. Is that in the uh, Kiss singles box set? It is. I'll have to go look for that because I do have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check, um, out, check out the mix, I, the single mix, yeah. I've never opened it just because I kind of like have the Clash singles box set and the Elvis Presley box set. I've never played them, but I may have to then. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just to, just to probably send you into overboard um, overload here, I will tell you, though, that the replacements, versions, uh, replacements version of Black Diamond no. smokes. No, because, wrong, because wrong. Not even, not even. No, no, it's terrible. It, it, adds That's the, terrible. it adds the balls in. No, what? No, no. No. <laughs> no. No. That was Peter Chris singing That's... that song, by the way. And no. Okay. All right. Well, then, no. you know. I, first, you know I, 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 I mean, next I, thing you're going to tell me is that U2 isn't terrible. So, whatever. <laughs> yeah, he, he is going to tell you that. I know. That's what I'm that. saying. This is all ridiculous. <laughs> And uh, another thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, Sometimes your mind could be too open. <laughs> <laughs> so be the last thing I bring up before we uh, get into the, uh, this week's matchup. Um, and it, this had to have been like, I don't know, almost a decade ago uh, that you put together this massive uh, DVD collection of videos and live clips um, that were arranged chronologically that covered pretty much all of rock history. Um, and then you just sent them to anybody who wanted them on the message board. And I have to say, I, I watched all of them. Uh, it was just fantastic stuff. Um, and I, I guess that if you did it again now, you'd probably have even better stuff. Cause you know, as you said, you're kind of a little bit obsessive about this kind of thing. Well, that, that was such a fun project. You know, it, I really enjoyed doing it and there, it bore, born itself from um, mailing to some of the digital friends. And I thought, you know what? I'm already doing it. Why don't I see, you know, I would say the biggest concentration of music fans I know is on the message board. So I thought I would open it up a little. And it did, it did get to be pretty big, like 30 something people just on the message board alone. Um, wow. And uh, at that time, I think this was like 2008 to 2011 ish, 2010, maybe um, I was, uh, sourcing a lot of recordings of independent origin, which were actually all legal Boot because legs. that's all Diamond does and does allow. Yeah, um, they're fine. That's they, no big deal. They were sourcing a lot, uh, uh, providing a lot of live concert recordings from the 1950s all the way up to, you know, that week's episode of Jules Holland or whatever. And, you know, I completely burned through my 
my ratio. My ratio got so bad that eventually I got booted from the site. So that's kind of where it stopped. <laughs> <laughs> So I was a bad trader. Um, but it I did, happens. I, did for, I paid it forward in another way. So I, I think, yeah, for uh, sure. <laughs> um, and I really enjoyed doing it, but at, it ended up stopping when my my old tower, my old Dell tower, took a dive on me. And that piece of crap. Um, the only thing that it had going for it was that it had the software and the knowledge base. I, I could never replicate how I did it. I don't. To be honest with you. I know it sounds ridiculously insane but i tried to go back to it a couple times with various other pcs and laptops after that but i just couldn't remember how i did it and it hmm. it was such a long process uh, such i mean i wouldn't say that the learning curve was great it's just that you know i'm not terribly bright so i, I guess that's the main concern or the main problem there but no i, I ended up collecting probably like two or three thousand um bootleg DVDs <laughs> and I've got them all downstairs nice. and they're all alphabetized in little cameras I bought at Ikea and you know I do I pull them out every once in a while but um no no it was it was a real fun project and I, I it seemed like it was pretty well received and um yeah absolutely you know no it was it was it was a it was a fun thing to do at that point in time and who knows um maybe again at some point I I would like to I I, I hate to um make promises or anything but I feel like you're the only other person I've ever known that knew what Erg a music war uh, was. Oh my God. That's, that was like one of the touchstones of my, also in my very young <laughs> development. I mean, yeah. I remember, I remember seeing that at a video store back in like 1982 when I was in high school and I'm like, what is that? Just, you know, I, I couldn't figure it out. So I, I rented it and then, you know, I bought the, the vinyl, which I wish I would would have held on to yeah. because that thing's going for a hundred and something bucks now. Yeah, but I ended up giving that away. I think someone actually on the on the message board. So I gave away all my vinyl to people on the message board. I must um, not have been paying attention. Was, yeah, yeah, you definitely must not have been paying attention. I did. I did find the single um, CD version from some used record store in Canada, probably about five years ago. So I guess I have that going for me. And I did find a DVD. Well, actually, Warner Brothers is actually selling on-demand DVD versions of it as well. It, it's it's phenomenal. If anyone hasn't checked it out, I mean, it's. I saw really it. On, I saw it on the movie channel, probably about the same time, eighty two, eighty three. I liked well, Devo and Joan Jett, and they were both on it, so that's why I watched and, it. And what was really cool at that same time period was Night. There was Flight. some weird yeah. shit on there. Oh yeah, Night Flight was yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Night Flight was the shit. They've Lisa been uh, showing some of those old Night Flights. I think they got a website or something. Oh, that'd be cool. I'll have yeah, to check right. around for that because, yeah, that's where I saw a lot of those clips from as well. And it's yeah. just, no, that's, that was also another one of those. I was like 12 years old and it's kind of like, that's when your mind is a sponge for all kinds of weird and odd things. It's kind of like learning a foreign language. It's so much easier. The when you're gathering younger. age. Yeah. It's like nowadays <laughs> if I saw something like that, I'm like, you know, who are you talking about? You know, this, you know, panic at a what, you know, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> But, you know, when I was 13, who knows, maybe I would have liked Panic at the Disco. I, I hope not. You but... pro- probably would have. <laughs> nah. <laughs> probably. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Nah. I don't know. But... I would have never Definitely liked them like at them any now. age. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, yeah I, that's I, probably true. For some reason, that just name popped in my head. I don't even, whatever. <laughs> uh, you could have said so, the Scissor uh, Sisters or something like that. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um and uh, so this week, our matchup is going to be uh, two of the biggest bands of the 80s, which would be U2. And the and 90s, R. really. 80s and the 90s. Yeah, early 90s, for sure. And uh, I'd say R.E.M., were uh, they were the biggest band of, I guess, what they call, call them 
college radio alternative uh, in the nation. 80s, I guess before they before they'd come up with the the name alternative. Sure. Um, and they eventually um, broke through into the ma- huge mainstream success. Actually, um, while you two, even by the middle of the the decade, they were kind of universally regarded by the critics as uh, the biggest band in the world. Um, and so I guess I'll throw it to you first, Andy, um, because I know you don't like either of these. <laughs> well, bands, actually, you know, so. I was, no, well, well, the, actually, I was thinking about it, you know, and OK, I don't like you two at all. There's nothing about them I like. I couldn't even tell you. There's not even one. Maybe kind of both the blue sky. I kind of like the groove on that. But that's like as close as I, I could get to like even liking a single song. I don't like you two at all. I don't really like anything about them. Um, that's so weird. R.E.M., I like. I could probably put together like a album length compilation of early years stuff that I dig, like like uh, Driver Eight, um, Orange Crush. Uh, I don't know some of the titles. I just know them from hearing them so much. I, one of the guys that I worked at the record store with was like like into REM, like I'm into Kiss, and so I heard a lot, a lot of REM. And there, there's some songs I still like. Now that I still listen to it every once in a while and enjoy some of that early stuff. Uh, what's that song where he's like, "I'm sorry," but I really like yeah, that song. That's a, good song. that's a really good song. I, um, I bet I could probably make make but, your head explode. Okay. By saying that, I think I think a case could be made that REM commercially and are, uh, critically could be one of the top five American bands ever. But go ahead. I mean, uh, well, yeah, pop, popularity <laughs> wise, I can get that, you know. But but once they kind of ex- got super popular, I didn't really like what they were doing anymore. From basically from like Green on, I don't. Well, no, there was some stuff on Green that was all right. What's the album after Green? Out of time. Out from out of time on, I don't like anything they did, and I was really irritated and annoyed when I had to hear it a lot. Um, so <laughs> see, see, there's a, a double-edged sword with a lot of these bands for you, Andy, because you you listen to them at the record store, and I just so heard them much, too, too much. But, I heard them too yeah, much. You heard them, too and then much. they were also yeah. on mainstream radio and MTV, which I was yeah. you know exposed yeah. to at the the pizza job. I was listening to the radio all the time, and you know, and it just so I heard all this stuff way more than I would have ever chosen to listen to it. So any kind of you know appeal it might have had to me was you know eroded. So you're so, you're but I will REM, take I'll but, take uh, REM over you yeah. too. Sure, no problem. That's easy all day, every day. Yeah. Seems like a firm vote. Firm, <laughs> it's very firm. It's not <laughs> going to change. There's nothing you could tell me. I, I don't think uh, there's nothing you could tell me. Um, I don't know. Um, no, and it's tell me. It's probably a, it's probably pretty close. Tell for me, you, Bono's Brent, Bono's at my front but, uh, door and will pay me a million dollars to choose him, and I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Andy, know, pick me, that. mate. It's really important to me. Pick me, mate. Here's a million dollars. <laughs> Please at least consider it, mate. That's not even that Irish. That's not Irish. Bono. I can't talk like Bono. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it's Irish. kind of actually tougher for me, cause I, and I see where Andy's coming from, that there is that kind of like line in the sand almost where, you know, he says he likes some of Green, and that is their first major label release as well, which yeah. to me – market change in their sound i i, I don't it did it definitely yeah did. you know whether it be conscious or not and i think it has to be but i think a certain amount that certain amount of that could be also attributed to the fact you know that they were growing as a band um but i have a hard time picking between those two bands if you were just saying the irs years for rem versus u2's comparable years then the 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 decision's a lot more difficult for me in as much that i discovered u2 before i discovered rem 
and I had a deep love for you two for a good year and a half at an earlier age, which which means a lot to me as you know a point in time kind of thing. But that being said, I really don't know that I liked much by you two after Octoon Baby in '91. Whereas yeah. I do like Same I do boat. like yeah I mean I like Out of Time a lot of Out of Time I like most of Automatic I like New Adventures a lot. I even like some on uh, off of um, up and even reveal, but um, I, I won't go into monster too much. But I, I think there's um, a deeper catalog, I guess, that I like by REM. So I, I guess if you're talking peak value versus career value, I would go peak value probably you too, but career it's value close. I REM. Yeah. yeah, it's real close either way. I mean, it's one A one B. But then again, going back to a comment you had either mentioned in a, I don't think it was on a podcast. Maybe it was just when you posted somewhere. Actually, just to make Andy's head explode a second time, The Clash is my favorite band. But let's oh, just go Jesus. ahead and um, disregard that for the time being. <laughs> <laughs> there's just, there's just, there's, there's a disconnect here, you know? It's just yeah, something. Yeah. So I just don't, I mean, I mean, I get all these bands. And, and he loves the replacements. All too, these so. bands have a lot of oh. hardcore, dedicated fans. So I get that there's something about them that is appealing. I just, don't know what it is but for me for me there's nothing there, also, so. i'm also 10 years older than both of you guys i think i think if you had grown up with yeah. you know the clash and the R- in rem and you two being like the cutting edge or as peter buck once said it sounds very pretentious when i say it back out loud the more i think about it but he said rem is the acceptable th- acceptable side of unacceptable things you know, it's kind of a stupid thing to say but i guess there's a certain truth in it that they were right on that line they weren't they weren't um, punk and they weren't top 40, but somehow they could um, appeal to either side. Yeah, so, both. yeah. So if you were, if you were 12 years old, when the clash it was were, almost a folk punk, a punk, you folk. know, so I, yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think you might have a different opinion, but then maybe you wouldn't be, I know that you're a very serious and talented musician, maybe you don't appreciate the rudimentary talents of these bands. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's it. Maybe well, I it's recognize not. they're all talented. And I, I mean, I just, it's just for whatever reason, what, what they do has zero appeal to me. I just don't, don't dig it. You know, I just don't, and that's yeah, this is cool. awesome. I, I want to hear it. I want to listen to it. No, I just, I don't. And that, and that's one thing that I don't necessarily really, you know, some people love, you know, arguing about music. I, I really don't. Cause I don't think I'm going to oh, convince yeah. anyone to like yeah. a band that yeah. broke up yeah. eight, 10 years ago. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I love them. But hey, that's me. You yeah, know, I, I'm the same way. Yeah, I just so I just play is. it up for entertainment. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, so as crusty my... as you seem. But <laughs> no, I'm pretty crusty. But I yeah, and I definitely don't like the pretty pretty set in your opinions. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I, but they're not beliefs. I can change them if I want to. It's just you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and you, and you don't you don't begrudge anybody. No, not matter. at all. Not at all. Yeah, that, that's what really gets me. It's when people are like, "Oh, you're a stupid oh, fuck." Oh, you like, like that. you like you like know, the I Clash, that, the replacements, you yeah. two and REM. Fuck off! I don't want to ever talk to you. You're stupid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you just don't listen to them around me. Yeah. Nah, I mean, I don't, shit, I'll, yeah, be, nah. I'll listen to things I don't like. I don't even mind. I don't even care. I just, you know, I'm not going to yeah. choose to listen to any of that from, on my own. So, uh, and for myself. Um, I too also really, really like both of these bands. Um, 
And something wrong with you too. They would, they would in <laughs> fact be the the first two examples I would think of when people talk about how uh, like music sucked in the 1980s. Like, oh yeah, what what about you two and REM? Um, but uh, at the outset, I think I would lean very, very slightly in favor of U2. Um, and it, again, it's that peak value thing. But it, who knows? Brent might convince me. I might change my mind by the end of this. Um, but uh, Damn right. But wait, did he we'll pick go R-M? ahead? Did he pick R-M? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so two REMs yeah. and one U2 then. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh. And uh, so we'll go ahead and uh, lean in, lead into it with a clip. And then uh, we'll let Brent take over and uh, uh, cover REM. 
And so U2 started out, um, basically Larry Mullen, uh, the drummer, he put an ad uh, in a local newspaper in 1976. And uh, the guy who became known as Bono, the guy who became known as The Edge, uh, and Adam Clayton, they all answered the ad. Um, they played together for four years, kind of small shows and whatnot, and eventually got signed to a, a label. Um, and they released their debut album, which was called uh, Boy in 1980. And the first thing I think that needs to be said about this band, and this, this was apparent on the first album immediately, um, is that The Edge is just a fantastic guitar player. And I think even you would concede that, right, Andy? Yes. Yeah. And he's the kind whose sound is he's, unmistakable. He's, he's got like, a very unique sound, and he's yeah. got a unique setup. And I, that was that is one thing I dig about Edge. I was telling you uh, at another time that I watched that that movie with him and Jimmy Page and Jack White, and I, I thought it was really cool. They had to like load his guitar rig in with the forklift on a pallet. You know that was that was definitely impressive. And and right <laughs> I, I, there there's there's some cool thing. I have heard some cool things in his guitar playing. And and you know if you two were an instrumental band. It would be maybe uh, uh, I'd probably pick them over REM. Yeah, I, they're all. I really just good can't teams. handle Bono what at all, at all. Yeah, and see that's that's where uh, I I think we would definitely disagree. Which is that uh, before he descended into absolute self parody, I would argue that Bono was a great frontman. Um, in fact, maybe the the best frontman of the eighties. Um, and they they also had really strong songs um, for a debut album, uh, like. I will follow was track one. And that's a great song. And the entire album is good. Um, after that, uh, October wasn't the best follow-up of all time. Um, there was still like Gloria. Um, and I threw a brick through the window. Um, so, you know, I, I think probably one, one reason why I wouldn't say why the album is weak. One reason why it definitely wasn't as well received is there's definitely, religious overtones flowing through every single song in there that I think a lot of people had a hard time connecting with. So it never really um, took off, but there, there are some, there's some pretty strong songs in there. I threw a book through windows, a really good tune Mm -hmm. fire, rejoice, Gloria tomorrow and October are both the snippet October, but I, I sorry to bother you there. Um, There's some good songs in there though. Nevertheless. Yeah. Yeah, there are. Um, it, it just wasn't as strong as Boyd was, I don't think. No, um, no. But uh, of course, the real leap um, came in 1983 uh, when they released, uh, I would consider like a, a post-punk masterpiece, uh, which is War. And um, that, of course, starts off with a bang with uh, Sunday, Bloody Sunday. Um, a lot of protest songs on it, like uh, New Year's Day, um, 40 um, Seconds. Seconds, uh, yeah. And, yeah, and then Two Hearts Beat as One. That's just a, like really great passionate love song um and mtv killed all those songs for me <laughs> there you go and, uh, <laughs> playing but, it so much over and over and over yep and bono hadn't turned into a, a caricature yet that uh, might as well have been say... duran duran to me <laughs> hey i, I like <laughs> duran duran too Actually, i like duran um, duran more I, I should say that these days <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I would say that this was uh, Bono's best work, and I, I would argue this also was U2's uh, best work. And it was their first UK number one album. It hit number 12 in the United States. And that tour is where they graduated from playing clubs uh, to full-fledged stadiums and really started to build their absolute legend as a live band. Um, and another thing to say I, 
I think about this album was that it was full fledged balls out rock and roll at a time when basically synth synth, synth pop um, was in the vogue. Speaking of Duran Duran, um, <laughs> so that's something. Um, <laughs> what, what do you think about that one, bro? No, probably one of my 10 favorite albums ever. And going back to what Andy was saying about MTV killing it, that's when I discovered the band every year um, over the Memorial Day holiday, my parents would go up to Lake in the woods to go fishing for a week. And being the last week of school, I was never allowed to go. Not that I would want to, but I would go to my grandparents, grandparents house, which was always a treat for me because uh, where I live right outside the city limits, we didn't have MTV yet. And in 1983, I remember seeing a video with the band riding the horses through the snow and going, what is that? And it was obviously the video for New Year's Day. And I was immediately captivated. And it became, after Tom Petty and Damn the Torpedoes, it became my first obsession with a band and an album. Um, Yeah, no, it's it's one of my 10 favorite ever to this day. So that definitely would be on Oh, my ahead. personal favorite right there is like a song, the drums at the end. I just love that. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say that. Uh, yeah. The one where we recorded uh, last week that I'm, I'll have up tonight um, was our 10 most influential albums of all time uh, for each of us. So I assume nice. that would absolutely be on your 10 most influential. For sure. List. For yeah. sure. Um, after that, uh, their next album zagged pretty dramatically. Uh with is called uh, the unforgettable fire and that actually featured their first uh u.s number one hit with uh pride in the name of love um which i actually think is a little bit over the top um but the rest of the album was kind of like a bunch of like soundscapes that were more like sketches of songs than actual songs um it honestly this this actually seems like it would be more up your alley uh andy um, than anything else that they ever did. Hmm. Um, but after they released that album and they played it live, uh, everyone thought it was much better live. And of course, they played uh, Live Aid uh, at Wembley Stadium. Um, and after that, uh, the critics basically uh, anointed them at that time as the, the band of the 1980s and the most important band in the world and so on and so Whatever. forth. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I think you might want to jump back there a second or I would interject. I would say that I think one of the things that really drove home the album more, particularly here in the States, I think um, is the eight song EP under blood red sky, which helps cement. A lot oh of those, yeah. Yeah. Which helps cement with live versions of new year's day, especially the video for Sunday, bloody Sunday, the live. Video, yes. Which, yes. Which is, I think is yeah, really that's helps. The one I saw a thousand million times. Yeah. It was really good though. A thousand no, million times. But I think that's really what helped. <laughs> set the stage for them being the next big thing before they became the big thing with the whole um live aid and conspiracy hope tour yeah yeah and that's uh prior to recording their next album um the band kind of started to get really heavily into uh americana music like blues and folk and gospel um and as you mentioned they went on on a tour uh that benefited amnesty international um and then bono traveled to El Salvador and Nicaragua, um, which at the time were under assault by U.S.-backed death squads. Um, And so they went into the studio and recorded and released uh, an album that kept the texturing of Unforgettable Fire, um, but added in a more traditional kind of song structure. And that album, of course, was The Joshua Tree, um, which was all about 
the United States of America, um, good and bad, um, lots of religious image imagery. Um, and that album turned them into absolute international superstars, like rock gods. Um, that album spent nine straight weeks at number one, um, with or without you. And I still haven't found what I'm looking for were their, uh, only us number one singles. Um, and where the streets have no names was also massive. And so, Andy, where you said uh, their videos got overplayed on these, war. Jeez, even more. Yeah, yeah. these were. Yeah. Oh, I'm a, yeah. I, I think all the I think those three songs are really good songs. Um, but no, they're not. Yeah, they 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 kind of got overplayed even for me a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, I prefer uh, the non hits like Bullet the Blue Sky. That is. Um, yeah, that's running. the one song I almost kind of like a little bit. Yeah, running that, to stand still, Red side, Hill Mining Town. Exactly. Side two is pretty mighty there. Red Hill Mining Town and yeah. God's Country and Trip Through Your Wires. Even One Tree Hill. Mothers Exit. of the Disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. So, side two is, in my opinion, stronger than side yeah. one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the hits were on side one, but side two it was, was front loaded for sure. But yeah. Exactly. My Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and it, it was, of course, it was a massive, massive album. And yeah, I would say a great one. Um, I still like war better, but you can't definitely can't go wrong with the Joshua tree. Um, and after that, they put out a half live, half studio oh. album and film uh, that were both called rattle and hum. It too was a huge hit. Uh, it sold 12 million copies, but it's really not that great. Um, there's some good cuts on it. Like angel of Harlem is pretty good. Desire is really good. Um, All I want is you is fantastic. So is Heartland. Uh, Heartland and All I yeah, Want yeah. All, all I Want Is You are both yeah. phenomenal songs. But, but the live stuff on that is not that good and it's really all over the place. Yeah. Um, but a lot of a lot of YouTube snacks Charles, Charles by Manson that, stole this song from the Beatles and I know you know, we're, we're stealing, stealing it back. It back. And I, Ed, Edge <laughs> play the blues on this one. Oh. And he doesn't play anything remotely close Didn't to they know the Motley Crue had just covered that and not even done? And yeah. did you did you remember? Do you remember the Ben Stiller show? <laughs> I vaguely remember. I remember. He had he had a, a, a one season like thirteen episode show on Fox, and the very first episode, half of the little sketches were uh, Ben Stiller playing Bono, obviously taking the piss out of them. And at one point, you know, Ruben literally Ruben Kincaid as their manager booked him at a uh, bar mitzvah. And there's a whole bunch of bemused 13 year olds like giggling and pointing and just like the bands on stage. And there's, you know, Ben Stiller shining um, his little spotlight at Andy Dick. Come on, Edge, play the blues. (laughs) (laughs) That's good stuff. (laughs) That that was a, that was a little bit of a misstep. Um, Yeah. But once again, um, the band shifted course um, and leaned very heavily into uh, the whole um, global stardom thing. And the next album had a much more contemporary uh, European sound that very heavily influenced, I would say by uh, Manchester. Um, and really that, that pushed them um, just about as far as, as a band can go. Um, and I think the album is really good. Um, a little overrated. Um, but there's no doubt that uh, like one mysterious ways, you know, um, there's some really great stuff on there. Uh, and the album was called uh, Octoon Baby, of course. And it's very dense album, really intricate arrangements. 
And of course, after its release, they did a groundbreaking and controversial, and it should be said, hugely successful um, tour that used multimedia, um, huge lighting rig, um, and Bono shifted between uh, different over-the-top characters, which should be said, he was taking the piss out of himself. And I did not get to see that tour, but I really, really wish I had. I um, saw two of those. I saw on March 31st in 92, I saw them at the Rosemont Horizon, the Pixies opening up, which was a phenomenal nice. show. And then I saw the outside broadcast later that year in September with Big Audio Dynamite and Public Enemy opening. Oh, God damn. Yeah, they were both just incredible shows. And, you know, McFisto and his whole, I mean, it was sensory overload. And it was, you know, sometimes you kind of, you got to take a step back and, you know, you're half, half of you're just like going, what? And you're laughing at him. But the other half is just like, you know, this is really something. I mean, yeah. just the, the overwhelming, like I said, the sensory overload, it was, it was, it was a spectacle be, to behold. Sorry, I'm, again, like I said, I'm medicated here. I'm trying to trying to speak but my tongue feels bigger than my mouth right now that's <laughs> no, all good uh, fine, but I, i'd imagine that, uh, i'd imagine anybody uh who happened to say take mushrooms and go to that uh show would probably have had a really great time and they didn't get stuck uh, i'm not sure about that <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were about to say really bad time i was like yeah no shit man really I don't know, I think that'd be amazing. It was, it was actually Ooh. pretty cool. I, and I'm, I'm kind of jaded when it comes to those things, you know, and, you know, having spent a lot of time in, in the eighties and nineties seeing, you know, punk bands and this or that stripped down and just seeing something so huge was quite awe inspiring to be honest with you. And yeah. I think, I think they were at the point where they had the catalog that they could back it up to. I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah, Obviously, they couldn't tour with that if no one would go see them, but it, it was it was pretty neat. Yeah, and I, everything I've ever heard, uh, and I unfortunately have not been able to see uh, U2 yet, but anybody that I've ever talked to who's seen U2, even people who aren't really big fans of U2, say that they are just amazing live. Um, so you, you definitely got to give them credit for that, I would say. Um, and so they chose to follow that up with... Of almost like a even like techno album uh it's called zuropa and a lot of people really like this um i like the title track um and stay far away so close i like both of those songs what do you but, think about uh, is this around the time is this around the time when they sued the band negative land for releasing an ep called u2 i think it was right before that okay also, yeah. uh that that album, it, it sounded like it was dashed off uh, in between tour dates, which it was. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's hey, if that's, that's what really... Bono wants, that's what Bono gets. <laughs> <laughs> what Bono wants, Bono uh, gets. What What do you think about uh, Zoo Rope, Brent? You know. <sighs> I, I I see where they were going with it. I don't think they executed executed it. Is this one with lemon? In the manner they, I see lemon is an album, and um, I I I Lemo. yeah, I don't I don't hate that song. I mean, it's I do. not something I, I, do. Put, <laughs> I fucking you know, hate that shit. That's I can terrible. See why, I can see why. I mean, it's you know, I even like I, I don't know if you caught that, but the Wanderer. What did you think of that with Johnny Cash? Yeah, huh. you know, um, I, I, 
it, it was their version of new adventures done poorly in my opinion um yeah. they they, yeah. they, they just right. went wrong with it. and the problem there is that really that that was recorded on their uh, like you said like in between in between shows and whatever so essentially that was 93 octoon came out in 91 they didn't really do anything until 97 um except for vanity projects you know i mean you had yeah. um Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen doing Theme for Mission Impossible, and you had Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. I mean, come on, seriously? Um, yeah. I, I I just think that they, in my opinion, but what do I know? I you know, there's the ones who are shifting, you know, quadruple platinum, but um, I think that they probably took a little bit too much time away and um, didn't really really playing and I, I think it went to their heads too yeah yeah they thought they could do anything i agree i agree completely yeah yeah and that, that's bono when bono wants. really started yeah bono that's when gets. bono really started sniffing his own farts and uh like it, all his uh charity work that um, in many cases uh probably did more harm than good um and so yeah after that i pretty well lost interest in youtube oh, no. um I mean, I, obviously, I heard uh, Vertigo and Elevation a million times. Well, everyone um, did. Yeah, exactly. Vertigo could have and been a half decent song if I didn't hear it a million, ten million, a million times, times. on yep. the fucking yeah, iTunes that's... commercial. Fuck that shit. Yeah, the first time I heard Vertigo, I was like, "Hey, that's a really." And good are we going to are we going to get to this album yeah. that they illegally uploaded onto everyone in the world's phone? Yeah, that's, that was literally the next thing I was going to say. Every, of course, everyone would want the hilarious. new U2 album. It's free. Of course, yeah, I want I it. That was so fuck, funny. I don't want that shit yeah, on my phone. Free, get that shit the fuck YouTube off my phone. On everybody's on everybody's iPhone, uh, whether they wanted it or not, <laughs> and people were. And they want, yeah, I was like, I how the it. fuck do I delete this? Like, you couldn't delete it at first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get this album saw, whether you I, like it or not. I saw my daughter and her boyfriend That's yesterday, what and wanted. They, they told me a joke, and I, and I told them I was going to steal it, but I will give them credit, that they're explaining that, you know, um, the FBI's complaining about how they can't, you know, hack into these, you know, iPhones of, you know, convicted criminals, but, you know, you two can find a way into every single iPhone in the planet. <laughs> Yeah, like Andy said, it's true. You couldn't, you could not delete it at first. Yeah, no, they had to, no, they had to update the app so you could delete it, the shit off your phone. Yeah. And you know what? They pissed me off to no end as well. I was, I was cursing at Bono at that point too. Yeah, and I, I haven't, I haven't honestly. I after uh, Zeropa, I have not listened to um, a full U two album after that. Uh, anything well, you, believe- want, you have to say for any of them? I do. I can't. I can't. Um, I can't blame you, except for there were, in my opinion, a couple of good songs on pop. Um, I did like "Staring at the Sun," "Last Night on Earth," and um, "Please." I thought was a decent song, but um, those are the last three songs I can say I actually liked by the band. Uh, they put out, I think, four more albums after that, and yeah. I know they. Ha- I know they had a pretty big hit with sweetest thing which was originally yeah it was a b-side a b-side off of joshua tree yeah yeah Yeah. um the original version is a lot like the 98 version and that that i really don't care for either one of them but um (laughs) (laughs) yeah but there were some some really strong b-sides over the band's uh course of their career most notably i really i don't know if you've heard spanish eyes which is a b-side of one of the Joshua Tree tracks, but that easily could have been on that album. And in fact, all the B-sides on there were 
Yeah, they're really strong. Which I believe were on the last reissue of the Joshua Tree, and you you could resequence it, and because it originally was going to be a double album, and it actually would have been one of those cases where I heard you guys talking about before. It actually, might have been a pretty decent double album. Um, yeah, based they, on the stuff that was, was emitted. Yeah, that was when. <laughs> that was the height of their uh, creativity for sure. I would say. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That period. Definitely. Um, so no, no, you're not missing anything post uh, post Uptune. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't uh, imagine this much. <laughs> Once I heard zero, <laughs> but I was like, oh, these guys have lost the plot. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my, yeah, so that uh, pretty my, much covers. My, uh, my roommate wanted me to share that she says that Bono makes her want to slit her wrists. <laughs> Bono, you know. That's how she. That's how she feels about Bono. Right? But I, you know, there's one. There's one thing I do like about Bono, and this is going to sound really stupid for a uh, stupid thing for me to say. But he, there's something I kind of respect about him in the same way that I respect John Bon Jovi, the fact that both of them are still married to their high school sweethearts, which I think that's is kind of cool. I think that's kind of cool. True. But you know, I and uh, from uh, by all accounts, uh, from what I understand, everybody who's uh, ever met him thinks he's a real mensch. So yeah, yeah, know. you know. Like I said, what if he I'm shows the- up at the, my front door and wants to hand me a million dollars, I'll I'll <laughs> change my vote. I'll be a, I'll be a YouTube fan. I'll you hear that, Bono? Feed- I'll listen you to an album. Facebook money. Yeah. <laughs> and that YouTube yeah, money. But that that's pretty well uh, that pretty well covers YouTube. So yeah, I, I hey, think we're more than covered it. Yeah, that, through the eighties, um, up through um, uh, hell, I'm blinking on a. <laughs> that last good album. 94, 94, was it? Octo- o- up through Octoon, maybe. Up through Octoon, maybe. Everything they did was great. Was not um, as bad and, as the rest. Well, and then they went. Didn't suck as much as they do now. Well, we can say all the studio albums were great. Yes, yeah, yeah. It, not Metal and Hum. Play some blues, Bono. Yeah. <laughs> October's good enough. I wouldn't say that's a bad album. Oh, I listened to it. I will. I'll say it's a bad I album. Sh- oh. Yeah, we yeah I, I couldn't disagree with you. I couldn't disagree with you. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I, I will say I like it. I we know you hate it. Shut it. up. <laughs> Eventually, it did get to that point with the replacements, but uh, I'm sure it, it's cool on YouTube. That's the uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you can bang on YouTube all you want. I'm, so I'm just are... really more baffled that you don't like uh, that you can't stand the replacements than anything else. You're just gonna have to get That's past it. You're just gonna have to let it go. You're just gonna have to let it go. I, I know. I'm fine with it. Yeah. I, I just don't understand it. That's I, yeah, I don't either. But. <laughs> so uh, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, shift gears. REM. Uh, talk about REM. So uh, take it away, Brent. Are you talking REM? R E V? Have you heard Adam Scott's podcast? He has a podcast where he is dissecting. I have not listened to that. I, I think <laughs> it's really good though. Actually, it's not bad, and it's not bad. So, um, REM, they were uh, formed four years after after U2 in somewhat similar fashion. Um, uh, teenagers met at the University of Georgia in Athens. Uh, Peter Buck was a uh, clerk at Walk Street Records, Walk Street Records. and had seen uh, Michael Stipe on quite a few occasions coming in, and they finally got to talking over a Patty Smith album that uh, Michael Stipe was purchasing. They decided that, you know, maybe they should form a band. And uh, Peter Buck had known a couple guys, uh, Bill Berry and Mike Mills, who were high school students at uh, 
I don't know what high school, some high school in Macon, I believe. And um, apparently Bill Barry hated Mike Mills because he was such a nerd and, you know, being a Braves fan, I suppose he probably still is. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They they formed in early 80. Yes. In April, April 5th, they, they played the first, played the first show at a, uh, old church, abandoned church that they were living in for a bunch of friends. And within, uh, within a year, they had put out their first record, which was a seven inch, uh, recorded at Mitch Easter. He used the, uh, the, uh, I guess the, uh, singer guitar player from Let's Active, if I remember that correctly. But anyway, it was Radio Free Europe back to a sitting still. And, um, they made a they made a big mistake in that the uh, the label and the sleeve didn't list the record company contact information or the band contact information, and they mailed it all across the East Coast. Oops! It, it got uh, good reviews, but no one knew how to get a hold of the band. <laughs> Eventually, uh, they were able to get they were tracked down to down to UGA, and things worked out fine as they made their way up and down the East Coast, touring nonstop, and. Um, they went back to uh, North Carolina to record Mitch Easter again in 82 and recorded their, I guess, their first EP, Chronic Town, which which really had more, I guess, to do with Murmur than Radio Free Europe. Um, it was probably three songs too long, if I could say. It could have been a good single, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, it is their I, first shit. It was yeah. early. They just, you yeah. know, they're playing the songs they know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Still um, figuring it out. A couple months later, they did release their first full length EP, Murmur, which is their undisputed masterpiece. Well, I guess they had an automatic, but. Murmur I worked at a record was... store named for it. <laughs> for Murmur? Okay, yeah. yeah, I worked at a record store named okay. Murmur. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. It was picked album of the year by Rolling Stone over. Uh, Thriller and Synchronicity and War. It's probably not my favorite album by them, but it, it's, it's up mine. there. Yeah, What's it's yours? really, it's really good. Uh, yeah. What are some of the songs on this one? Uh, Radio Free Europe, Perfect Circle, okay. Moral Kiosk. Yeah, um, West of the Fields. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's every song on there is solid. I mean, there's there's yeah. no there's yeah. no filler on it. I mean, it's a good. It's a solid album. Um, but to me, I, I it, it's probably just. I don't know, 30 something years down the road. I think it's just a little overplayed. I think I, I mean, I wore that thing out back in the eighties. So I I can see why people would think that um, it's still a great album. It is. It's still a great album. It's just, yeah, it's a a really, yeah, it's a great album. Uh, It, it definitely um, didn't sound like anything else. No, for sure. Absolutely. You're absolutely correct there. Um, off that success in the constant touring, they were able to squeak out another album. That, I mean, in short turn afterwards with um, mm-hmm. Reckoning in 84. And that's the album that I discovered them on as well. Going back to uh, Andy's uh, sorry song, South Central Rain. That song, yeah, I when like I first song. saw the video for that in 84, yeah, that's, that's what captured me just like New Year's Day did with U2 the year before. Um, I, I instantly fell in love with that song and the whole album pretty persuasion don't go back to rockville harbor code seven chinese brothers seven chinese brothers yeah yeah that whole album camera is, yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's a very solid album um yeah, probably one of my top 20 but as uh 
as I've mentioned on the various message boards before, though, my favorite album is the one that came out yep, in five, the next Fables one. Of the Recon- Fables of the Reconstruction, which is a very um, divisive fan or album among the fans. Um, people seem to either love it or hate it. Personally, obviously, you know, where I, where I sit on this, which side of the fence for this one, um, they were, they were in London recording this album in early 85. And apparently it was really cold and snowy and they were miserable and the band really came close to breaking up, which you can really hear in the music. It's a, it's a very dark album. Yeah. You know, I mean, definitely. can't get there from here is the Ray Charles song. And that's very upbeat. But other than that, I mean, it's like feeling gravity's pull dark, you know, Kahootak, mm-hmm. auctioneer life, how to live it. These, driver these songs, yeah, <laughs> dri- dri- driver eight maps and legends. Yep. Um, not a weak cut on that album either, in my opinion. Um, yeah, that, I'd, uh, I'd put that number two on my list. That's that's in my top five albums ever. Um, just which is for me, it's it's hard to say because the album after that, Life Search Pageant, might even be, actually be a better album. Um, Fall on Me is considered like among fans like their song. best yeah. song. I love that song. Begin to begin these days, their cover of Superman, Hyena. Mm-hmm. And uh, even Swan Swan Hummingbird is, I, you know, is as southern of an album as Fables was. You know, Life's Rich Pageant is right there as well, especially with the colloquialisms. Um, I can't pronounce that word. Swan Swan Hummingbird. It's you know, Civil War folk telling. It's it's just a solid album that combines really really solid rock songs, which I think Andy would be a fan of, like Begin to Begin along with environmental we're again that's another good point you can see where the environmental concerns start to come in with fall on me and the, the concerns of acid rain and yeah, and the politics yeah. of Cuyahoga and hyena like yeah. a, lot of, a lot of stuff this in this era weird. i like I, I don't recall all of it from listening to the record store but i always enjoyed this this era. yeah this is this is where michael stipe's uh um political uh lyrics started to come out because he hadn't really before that i thought for the most i part, thought all but... his lyrics were so obtuse that no one could really tell what any of them were about and you could sometimes, sometimes they are and yeah. and a lot of them and a lot of them are are probably forced but i think when especially on this particular album he recorded this album in bloomington indiana at um john mullenkamp's studio and Don Geeman, who produced the album, um, really brought his vocals to the forefront on this. And I think that forced him to be a little more literal in what he was singing because he knew that he was being more scrutinized. Yeah, I actually saw uh, an interview clip of him where he talked about that specifically, where he was saying that, uh, you know, at first he was just kind of like, you know, he's kind of mumbly and like he didn't really put a whole lot of thoughts into his lyrics. But then he noticed that people were like dissecting his lyrics Trying to for figure what they meant, <laughs> taking it seriously. So he was like, "Well, okay, if they're going to do that, then I might as well have something to say." You yeah. Know? Yeah. If you have that pulpit, I guess I guess you can use it. Yeah. Which also um, became even more apparent on the following album, Document, which came yeah. out in '87. I mean, this string, bam, 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 '83 through '87, uh-huh. is just so solid. And this is the first album produced by Scott Litt, who brought more of a rock focus to their music and he ended up doing their next i believe six albums document green out of time automatic monster and new adventures but i mean just right off the bat with finest work song not my favorite but i mean they'll let you know where they were going right as soon as you put the needle down and obviously it it made them probably at that point 
you know, granted they're competing with U2 in 87, but at that point they were probably the biggest American band for that one summer with the one I love and it's the end of the world as we know it and I feel fine. I mean, that was their their first uh, taste of real mainstream success. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you're on the cover of Rolling Stone with America's greatest band tagged on it, you know, obviously (laughs) there's some expectations, you know, so um and i think the songs on this album especially the first side and part of the second side lived up to that hype um the second half of the side two is a little weak i mean i'm not i wasn't a big fan of king of birds odd follows is a pretty is a pretty strong tune but overall that first side though is phenomenal yeah and with uh, uh, welcome to the occupation and uh exhuming mccarthy <laughs> those were both explicitly uh political songs yes yes for sure which did also uh, ended their contract with IRS Records and yep. um, unable to get the distribution they felt that they needed. They felt they needed to jump to a major, which obviously is a death knell to half your fan base when you're independent yeah. darlings like they were. Um, yeah. But you know what? For the most part, they they lived up to it with Green. They kind of kind of stumbled when I first heard the album. I heard Pop Song 89 and Get Up. I mean, they grew on me, but at first I'm like, what is this? And then by the time you get to stand, it's like, what the hell is, yeah. am I listening to? You know, but I, I still hate that yeah, song. That's where I was like, yeah, okay. well, I do too. I, did I too. don't like REM anymore. But they redeemed themselves with the next track in that album, which is my favorite REM song, World Leader Pretend. Um, fantastic song that and following with Orange Crush and Turn You Inside Out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those are both I do like good. Orange Crush. Yeah. And I think if you knew it by the name, you might even turn you inside out. That's a that's a rocker too, Andy. Um, oh, probably yeah. In similar yeah, in a similar vein of Orange Crush. It's a good song. Gotcha. But solid album. Um, but that also ended their their run of yearly albums and kind of took a toll on the band um, because they had not stopped touring during that whole time. I don't think, if I remember correctly, they took more than four or five months off the road during those during those eight years, which led to a long drawn out process. Yeah. Um, from late 1980. And one thing also much like you too, is that REM for the most part, never opened for another band. They always headlined their own tours, whether it was paid, playing pizza joints in Ypsilanti or, or whatever, um, or the Fox theater by the time they were playing in 1988. But um, they did do a couple shows opening for the police in 83 only because the irs connections with stewart miles copeland whatever but by 88 like i said after green they they toured that album through 89 and didn't tour while they were preparing out of time in an album in which they kind of felt disillusioned with the big rock sound and they they as, as peter buck said i he felt that he needed to put down the guitar because he said he was quote feeling close to being competent on it <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and as you can as you can tell by out of time which came out in 91 mandolin you know um the piano bass songs everything else on that you hear on this album was the, the sound of a band trying to escape what they had become and and stretch um and it, and ironically had two massive hits oh yeah, yes hoogie boogie yeah and um, losing my religion. 
Is that, yep. is that the, is, losing my that religion and shiny? Yeah. Losing my religion and shiny, happy people were both and, huge. And hoogie yeah. boogie land. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, boogie boogie land. <laughs> <laughs> Take it down to hoogie oh boogie God. land. Yeah, exactly. The seminal single. Um, um, yeah, no, they did. They had um, losing my religion uh, was a top 10 hit. It was actually a top 10 hit all over the world. It, it cemented them. Yeah. They actually became much bigger in Europe than they ever were here in the States. Well, um, I remember, I remember like the first few times I saw the, that video on MTV, like the video was really extremely weird. Um, and I, I thought it was really great. And then it, it got Jeremy. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got played way too much. But I, yeah. I actually still Shiny Happy song, People, I, I never liked. Yeah, it's no. a great song. Shiny no, Happy I, People, I think, is trash, but. A couple of songs like Belong, and especially Texarkana, which is the second song to feature Mike Mills on lead vocals with Superman being the first. But um, Texarkana is a very strong tune as well. I think it's ironic but, that um, Shiny Happy People makes me feel dark and angry. Oh, it pisses <laughs> me off too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, I, I think this was their first uh, genuine misstep was this album. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, how I can you call it that though? Was he? It was their most successful album to date. <laughs> no, to date. No, to date. To date. Yeah. To date. To date. To date. It was their yeah, most successful true. album to date. So I don't think you can call that it a misstep. Well, then the well, following... it depends, for it your depends own, on what... for, your, for your own personal enjoyment, maybe. But it just it just increased their popularity, and you know, it did do that. That's true. Ironically, because the next because, thing uh, was the unplugged. They did the unplugged thing, and were like one of the first ones to really turn that into a huge thing. That's true. And doing a fucking U2 great. song. And, and then um, the following right? year, because they still were right? touring. Oh, well, yeah. Didn't they, they do did a U2 watch, song they on did, there? They did, no, they did that actually um, in 92 at, it was oh, okay. half, it okay. was Michael Stipe and Michael Stipe and Mike Mills, along with Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen. They did uh, one okay. at Clinton's inauguration okay, party. I'm all confused. But yes, yeah, so it was that same time frame. It was within. They did the Trog song at Unplugged. Months. Yes. Um, love is all around. Love is all around. Yes. Bye. But um, bye, bye, bye. following year, they released what most people considered their masterpiece, Automatic for the People, which um, was also much like Out of Time. Well, exactly like Out of Time was nominated for Album of the Year at the Grammy Awards. Didn't win either time, which who cares anyway. But yeah, that's the is, fucking what, Grammys. What won yeah. those? Do we know what yeah. won those years? We'd have to look it up. I it did win, and it was probably up. some Shania Twain album or Bonnie Raitt. Some or shit like that. Man, yeah. I feel Who like a woman. Hey, I, but, I'm on Wikipedia right now. I can look Automatic uh, um, album of the year. Uh, <laughs> the year the Automatic for the People came out was the Bodyguard original soundtrack <laughs> album. <laughs> well, you know, amongst stiff competition like that. Yeah, what, what can you do? Well, yeah. <laughs> so is is this your choice for your favorite yeah. automatic? Yeah, yeah this is a, my that's favorite. A, that's a strong album. It's it's dark. Um, more than the early year stuff. Well, this in, in a it, different way. In a different way, it was dealing with more. This was uh, this was my this was first of all the first uh, compact disc that I ever purchased. Uh-huh. Um, oh. Not my first album, obviously, but the first CD I ever owned. And this mm-hmm. was you know I'd I'd heard their stuff. Um, just what was on like the radio and MTV, but this was the first REM album that I owned. Um, the first one that I really got into. Um, 
and I thought it was just fantastic. And yeah, it, it's dark. What's the um, big hits on this one? It, uh, Man, Man on, on the Moon. moon. Yeah. Okay. Um, Everybody Hurts. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Sidebiter Sleeps Tonight was a single. Yeah, Drive yeah. was yep. the lead single. Yep, Drive. Yeah, I, yeah. Heard <laughs> I heard this album a thousand times at the record store. It's, it's I'm deep. sure you did. I'm it's sure actually, did. I, 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 compared to the last couple, I enjoyed this one a bit more for sure. Yeah, and I, um, most of them are like in a minor key. Um, they're like very uh, kind of plaintive, um, almost sad sounding, like yeah. uh, like Drive or uh, Try Not to Breathe or Night Swimming or Find the River. Although Find the River is actually kind of uh, optimistic. Um, but other than uh, Ignore Land, which is fucking garbage, um, which is why like pop bands should not try to write uh extremely overtly political songs but, um, <laughs> other than that i think this is yeah a great album it's my favorite Ariane, that one. i don't know if Which, i would say it's their best but it's my favorite and that this album also ended their four-year break from the road um when they released monster in 94 when yeah. they decided that they wanted to rock again yeah. right they, they did kind of really yeah yeah this, what's the frequency kenneth uh, was pretty rocking yeah, yeah. Well, no, some good I, guitar, I had some good guitar stuff in there. I don't disagree that it rocked, but Andy, you worked in a record store. You should know that. Has there ever been a CD that has more re- sellbacks? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, the, that's uh, If you give me some time to think about it, there are a couple. Uh, Hootie and the Blowfish. Box? Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> yeah, Candlebox. No, Candlebox, yeah. probably, <laughs> definitely. The Hootie and the Blowfish for sure. Yeah. Uh, gin blossoms, I, gin blossoms. Yeah. Anything that was like that was 90s, huge, 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 but kind of like uh, yeah. a, a trendy, you know. That was shitty. Yeah, yeah. that that people. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, It just seemed like in the nineties when I was going through the used bins, I'd see a lot of monsters. Matchbox twenty. Yeah, monsters. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. tons of monsters. Yeah, you're right because that orange, yeah. that orange yep. spine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of monsters. And, that, and, the, and the first Stunt Hole pilot seemed to be returned a lot as well. <laughs> that, yeah, that yeah. One, yeah, yep. Yeah, but one one thing and that's a decent that, album. Oh, right. No, actually, I don't mind. It's it not album. bad. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. Yeah. It's the not terrible. Thing, it's a decent rock and roll. One thing album. I did like about this album, though, it did bring him back out on the road, and it did bring him out with a big giant rock sound. And I saw three shows on that tour, and it was not um, Zoo TV over the top, but it was huge. I mean, it was just lights and pyro and the one i love at at 100 110 you know it was it was it was a good tour if, if you like rem i should say um and on that tour um they did record their next album new adventures in hi-fi which i think is an underappreciated masterpiece i love this album this might be one of my two or three favorite rem albums there's yeah, some really, really yeah, there's some like bittersweet me, electrolyte, um, undertow, Ebo the letter, stuff like um, the wake up bomb. Yeah, I could probably live without that, but for the most part, solid beginning to end. Really, really good album. And right around this time is when um, the band on this tour is when the band started falling apart, literally and figuratively. Um, I believe. Well, yeah, it, it should had, be said that. Mike Mills had his aneurysm. Yeah, on the, yeah, that was on the Monster Tour. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. And um, Mike Mills had um, an 
I believe, uh, an appendectomy, and Michael Stipe, I believe, had hernia surgery. I think Peter Buck is the only one who went unscathed on the tour. But um, when it came time to record their album Up in 1998, because of kind of his um, having faced his own mortality, um, Bill Berry decided that he wanted to retire to his farm and become a, a farmer yeah. full-time. Yeah. Yeah. And he decided to quit the band, but he told the band that had he uh, left the band and the band were to break up, he would stay with them, whatever. I don't know if that's just, you know, whatever. For, you know, He's like, I'm not going to let you guys break up, so I'm yeah. done, but you better keep doing it. Yeah, so, you know, they should have just broken up. <laughs> um, <laughs> as I kind of said earlier, in 98, their, their album Up had had a couple good songs on it that I didn't hate, I guess. You yeah, know, the apologists. Not that great, though. The Apologist, which is kind of a rewrite of South Central Rain, or maybe the follow-up to it, wasn't bad. Personally, I kind of like Walk Unafraid, um, Diminished, Suspicion, Lotus, but, you know, I hated the singles, Day Sleeper and At My Most Beautiful. Oh, yeah, Day Sleeper. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Both, both of those are not good. Yep. You know, and the funny, the funny thing is, is that I think almost, rather than anything in the world, I'd probably almost... If I had my my first choice of anything I'd want to listen to, I'd probably put on a Casey Kasem episode from like 1976. Mm-hmm. I'm the biggest pop music fan in the world. I love pop music. It's, but it, it seems like my favorite bands, their biggest hits, their pop hits are the ones I hate, which is very odd. I don't, maybe it's just because they have gotten overplayed or it's that sense where you're like, you feel like you're losing a little secret that you have when everyone discovers your favorite band or something. I don't know what it is. It's just, no, but, I know what yeah, you yeah. Yeah. Um, so after that point, they did the Man on the Moon soundtrack with um, the Jim Carrey vehicle. I, yeah. I, it was mostly um, instrumental score, except for The Great Beyond, which, I don't know, not a bad tune. It's, it's just meh. Yeah, it's nothing worth writing home not about. Not great, not terrible. Nah. It's just there. And for me, the Death Flail was in 2001 reveal. I did like the first song on the album, The Lifting, and I don't know that I really have much to say about the band after that. Yeah, <laughs> I put out a couple You're albums. Right. I think they had three more albums. I don't know. That's well, a rumor. Yeah. You know, I guess. Oh, kind of, which also reminds me of one more thing about Bill Berry leaving the band. Um, that's another thing that a, a corollary between the two bands that I also always kind of appreciated is that if you look on any any album that REM recorded up through '98, every songwriting credit is Barry Buck Mills and Stipe. Sure. If I'm not mistaken, no matter who wrote the song or every single song yeah. is credited that way. Sure. And if I'm not mistaken, I think U2s are all credited to U2, aren't they? I don't I think don't Bono or Edge takes individual songwriting credits. I, you know, they, Let me take a always, look. They always said that one... Yeah, all my CDs are packed up in boxes in the garage. Otherwise, I'd look. Yep. All tracks written by U2. Let me, yeah, let me check and make sure that that's still the case. I know that's what Peter Buck said when they formed R.E.M. back, you know, back in 1980, is that the one thing that breaks up bands usually faster than anything is money yep. and yeah. you know yep on their on their last uh, their last couple albums um it'll say all lyrics written by bono and the edge but all music composed by youtube so they do yeah they all get songwriting credit yeah so um that that's basically my 25 minute take on on rem yeah, you know, as we t- as we kind of went through their catalog, I realized that there's more REM that I do like than I think. <laughs> you probably you probably just got over it. You probably uh, liked them. Uh, uh, yeah, got 
closed. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a full CDI, and I could probably, a full CDI of Greatest Hits. I could, probably, I could probably put together a good 75 minutes of it, yeah. yeah. There you go. My work yeah. here is done. <laughs> and they're and they're from Athens, you know. So, so, oh sure, yes, I've I've been aware of them. Double, double uh, yeah. they, they've been bigger been for me than they've always yeah. been, you know. Yeah, yeah, that that makes perfect sense. Um, I had diehard REM fan friends in middle school, you know, in the eighties. So, sure, yeah, I'd imagine so. Uh, but before they got big, even. before they were like mainstream big, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know, on their later stuff, they're always. It kind of like happens with like every like once great band that their new album comes out and people are like, uh, oh, yeah, this is a real return to form. And I got suckered on that a couple times and listened to some of their more recent albums. And Accelerate? then quick, quickly realized like, no, they're actually new adventures in hi-fi. They are, they are not back there. It's not a return to form. At least they finally figured it out, right? They stopped. Well, right? I think when New Adventures came out, they were still in their form somewhat. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just throwing out album titles that I'm not real familiar with. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wasn't that one uh, of the later well, ones? <laughs> yeah, the later, yeah. Later-ish. Later-ish. Yeah. Um, yeah. Their last album was... Uh, 2011 are, are they officially broken up pretty, at this point pretty sure they're done they are yeah yeah, yeah oh yeah. yeah they they officially split i mean and... there's i know peter buck's still doing some stuff he's always had a lot of side projects including a baseball related side project because he is a huge baseball yes with the baseball the project. baseball project yes yep and um right now he just put out an album he's touring literally as we speak he's playing tonight somewhere with joseph arthur they have the arthur buck project going on right now yeah i knew he was doing something currently yeah, he's always he's had a bunch of side always interesting. With I, I, he's, there was one bands. band he did on the side that I thought was pretty damn good, and I can't remember. Wasn't it was. uh, Filthy Friends? Was it? Mm, I don't. I don't think so. He did that one with the with the uh, with Corinne Tucker. Um, yeah, that that's Filthy Friends. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. And Maybe. then he did uh, Tuatara with the guys from Screaming Trees, and that might have uh, been, been the one. That was that was all acoustic or all instrumental world type stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure. Freeform jazz kind of new worldish kind of, which I did see him on that tour in '97 when he put out the first album. They put out two guitars, put out like three or four albums. Um, and it, yeah, and he I, plays on he plays on like all kinds of people's uh, albums. Oh yeah, he produces. I mean, I think he has bands setting up that he can produce them while he's brushing his teeth in the morning and then yeah it's it's his um production credit is pretty lengthy but um to his credit it's all bands that he's trying to give a break to which is pretty cool of him to do i guess um because you know someone of his quote stature would probably want to you know elbow his way into like a jack white project or something but he's he's doing no name bands that you know most people of his stature wouldn't you know be bothered with yeah yeah, I like. I mean, he uh, he produced Uncle Tupelo, yeah. For example, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like driving and crying. Yeah, uh, yeah. Flesh tones, the feelies. Dixon yeah. driving and crying. Flesh tones. Yeah, all kinds of stuff out there with his name on it. Yeah, so he's got good taste and helps out uh, up and coming bands, which is you know that's pretty fucking cool for somebody in a in a band as big as REM was. Sure. He he 
depicts production work like someone who worked at a record store. <laughs> An <laughs> yep. independent record store. Yep. Yep, I would agree. And that's with a that. cool record store. He, uh, I guess I'm probably the only one that's been to the Walk Street in Athens, but it is a very cool record store. Yeah, no, I never have. I always wanted to make it down there. I never quite made it though. Have you been awesome. to the Forty Watt? I've been to the Forty Watt many, many times. I've seen Queens of the Stone Age, Ween. Um, geez, so many bands at the Forty Watt. Melvin's. I assume at this point though they don't have just a single bulb hanging down anymore. <laughs> no, it's uh, uh <laughs> it's it's a little bit nicer, but uh, it's still. I mean, it's a, it's an amazing place to see a band because most time uh, there was one show I saw where the sound system was fucked up, but other than that, it always sounds amazing in there, and there's not a bad spot in there. I I it's actually uh, right after that Great White Fire in Rhode Island. I was that first show I saw after that in down here was queens of the stone age of the 40 watt and i'm pretty sure it was oversold it was so packed you were like a sardine you could barely breathe super hot and i'm just like looking at, at these exit signs i'm like you know what <laughs> if this shit would like, go up right I'm now stand, I'm, I'm not going anywhere i'm not going anywhere i can't go anywhere <laughs> i am fucked i'm dead Whether i want to or not yeah. so that was, believe, a, that was a, that believe, was yeah 40 watts pretty crazy i believe for a while peter buck bought it and his wife ran to That's possible. for a long time That's possible it's a yeah. it's an awesome place. Because I know the band was very active in local politics and also was probably one of the leading like owners of real estate in the Athens area for a long time as well. They invested a lot of the okay. band's money into that. They, into yeah, they, the probably, could have, they probably could have bought the town. <laughs> he he oh, yeah. wasn't. He was indeed uh, at one point married uh, to the owner of the Forty Watt Club. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I knew, not, I knew it was some. He's divorced. Oh. Well, no, yeah, because then... Uh, it happens to most up. people to get married. Yeah, now he's married to, I believe, his current wife, if he's still married to her, owns the Crocodile Cafe, which is one of the, supposedly one of the hot clubs in Seattle. Yeah, oh, Last yeah, I heard yeah, yeah, definitely. Yep. No. All right, well, I was, yeah, I pick R.E.M. Nothing has yeah, changed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> What about you, Brown? We need the clean sweep. Fuck you two. I don't know, man. I'm I'm racked by indecision because it, yeah. it, Brent put it perfectly at the beginning. It it really is a question peak of value uh, versus career, career value. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. yeah, that those first like several U two albums to me, obviously not to you, um, but to me those were like just fantastic. Um, yeah. But if you have to, if but, you look at it though, October as weak as October is, REM never released an album as weak as weak as October during their initial during run, their Spe- early, particularly yeah. during the IRS years. Yeah. Uh, what are you gonna say? What the first one? Document. Yeah. Well, I mean, Murmur, Reckoning, Fables, yeah, Pageant, yeah, Document. Yeah. Come on. Any one of those are as good as Unforgivable yeah, Fire and or October. But was was any of them as good as War? Or Joshua Tree, all of them. Fables is. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I put Fables or Murmur. Maybe you know, I, it's close. Not, it's close. It's not, close. It's tough. You're just gonna have it's to give tough. it. You just gotta give it to R.E.M. You just gotta give it to R.E.M. I, uh, you know what? I am gonna switch my vote. But the yeah. only reason I'm gonna, I'm the only reason I'm gonna switch my vote is it's because because uh, fuck Bono. <laughs> No, because automatic for the people. Uh, that was yeah, that, yeah. There that you go. That's one, your favorite. Yeah, that was one of the albums that I did cut off of uh, the ten most influ- influential albums. It was very close to me. Stand yeah. by your convictions, man. So we'll go <laughs> with the, uh, we'll go with that. Clean sweep. Yeah, 
It is. We all come down on the side of REM. Okay, REM, so my, you are better than you two. Now my work is done. <laughs> Before we wrap, I just want to say that while we were podcasting, I released a new song. Nice. I finished the mix at, at nine fifty four, so you know, I just you know, just so I could say I did that. Well I do nice. have you live. Well One done. more question for you, Andy. I was I was I was Googling because I was trying to go back and find some old music of yours online. And I noticed that one of your your last albums showed up on one of the um, uh, illegal sites, whatever. But it was taken down. Did you get that taken down yourself, or no? I didn't take anything down. I, I wish it wasn't taken down. Uh, uh, some guy keeps all my stuff updated on the RU Tracker, which I think is awesome. You can download my entire okay, discography cool. in one torrent. Ah, um, uh, I saw that. Well, I actually saw it on Israbox. Oh, but I was just kind of, huh. I was just kind of curious because which one? If um, it was, if it the only reason, the only way so, it, something could have taken it down would be if it was an introduction. I did that one through CD Baby, so maybe CD Baby has an automated thing that looks for their stuff on something like that. Mm-hmm. And but I, I, there's no tell. Maybe it just like went down because out of. Well, you don't have a label, so yeah. I mean, it would be me doing it. And I'm not going to tell anyone not to. Fuck. You want to put my music up right. somewhere? Do it, please. Please yeah, distribute this. Get your name out there. Yeah. Hey, uh, Brent, did you did you listen to uh, the most recent Telestrion? No. With Mick no, Shrimpton on the drums? Yeah, with Mick Shrimpton on the drums. Mick Shrimpton no, I on heard the you drums. talking about that. And I actually saw you post it somewhere as It's well, on YouTube no, and Bandcamp. And, you know. Yeah, it's, you, you should check it out. It's good. I will. It's, Absolutely. it's very, 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 uh, very Sabbathy. Uh, and then the, uh, the second album... Uh, all the improvs. second disc, I should say. Improvs. Yeah, all improvs that are really, really cool. Um, um in another yeah, land. That got taken down. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, sorry, I was kind of distracted here trying to pull it up really quick because, like I said, I googled you to see what music of yours I could listen to while I was uh, preparing my notes what, for this. Was that a was that a Rolling Stones cover? Well, it looks like a full album. No, is there a Rolling Stones song called Into Another Land? Oh, I don't know. There is a Rolling Stones song called In Another oh, Land. Oh, no. Well, mine's, mine is... Mine is no, no, no. Mine is Into Another Land. There's a difference there. Oh, Into oh, right. Another Land. Oh, okay. right. We're going Into Another Land. Not in, we're not in okay. Another Land. We're going okay. Into Another Land. Well, I, I was trying to solve the mystery of why it would have been taken down, and that could have been... Uh, right, right, but, right. Yeah. If it but it wasn't. Up. Yeah, so. no. yeah. Okay. I don't know. I've downloaded plenty of stuff off Israbox. Please upload mine. <laughs> it's only it, fair. it was funny that I actually the other uh, the other day um, I uploaded uh, and I even set the track to private, but I uploaded um, a couple of small faces uh, um, songs off of what was the name of that album that you Ogden's Nut Gone Flake. Ogden's not gone for yeah, it. I, yeah. I uploaded a couple of those tracks and, and left it private just to send to one of my friends. Um, and like fucking SoundCloud deleted it like automatically. Auto recognized hmm. it. You got to change yep. something up. Auto recognized it. Yeah. Got to zip them up or something. Yeah. You got to do something. Yeah. Not that I know anything about something. Well, I just, I just uploaded it to SoundCloud. I, I was so trying to eventually send. I, I sent it to him via WeTransfer. I was trying to send a Telestrion recording of, of Sweetleaf through Facebook Messenger, and I had a title to Sweetleaf, and it said, You cannot send and this through Messenger. It. Yeah. It just recognized the title and said, Nope. Can't do it. 
Well, shit. So I had to rename it as Tustrion Leaf. <clears throat> so I, I guess uh, just one last uh, anecdote that I'll I'll share, and this is about REM. That uh, the last uh, Rolling Stone interview that Kurt Cobain gave before he uh, uh, was murdered by uh, <laughs> Courtney, uh, he. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he said Alleg- that, uh, allegedly unless his podcast gets, in case it gets allegedly. really big yeah, so much. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact and in fact i do, do not believe that shut the fuck up man courtney before. might have us killed he was a heroin <laughs> addict he was a heroin addict who blew his brains out he was, he was pretty depressed but, uh, but he said that uh um what he his vision for nirvana going forward R-E-M. was to try to sound like uh yeah rem specifically automatic for the people well, they, they and, got scott lit in there to do some stuff with the uh, uh, yeah, in utero, and he yep. was he was most well known as working with REM, I think. My, well, yeah. Michael Stipe was with Kurt like two weeks before he killed himself yeah. up in Seattle, yeah, and actually to, had, yeah. fed next to him a ticket to come down to Athens to get him out of that headspace. Yeah, yeah, they were uh, definitely had a mutual uh, admiration society, which sure. is cool. And, uh, it should be said, REM had great. But you know what? Hey, you know what? You know what? Music. You know what? Kurt Cobain didn't like you too. What's up? You too. I'm, well, well of course he wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> he hated anything that was like massive and huge. Mm-hmm. He hated Guns N' Roses too. What do you think about Guns N' Roses, Andy? I like Guns N' Roses. Yeah. So. <laughs> Kurt Cobain well, isn't the Tom be-all in all of Thomas musical Stinson taste. fed for a, for a decade. <laughs> Indeed. What an indentured servitude. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, uh, all right. Yeah, that's pre- that's probably good. Yeah, we we've gone on long enough, but yeah. uh, I'll I'll constantly be uh, um, trying to keep you in mind, Brent, because we would love to have you on like as much as possible. Sure. Uh, well, I really appreciate it. You're you're way more into music than other than Andy, like basically anybody I know. So, <laughs> well, well, I always well, and, and he's probably got a more open mind and has a wider variety of tastes than I do, for sure. For sure, I, That's and I I do have to get going anyway. But I do yeah, want to say one more thing. Um, I know I know on the Bad Music Appreciation podcast, <laughs> you guys took opposite sides of the fence there. I mean, what what one more suggestion I might have is you guys should do one about good bands that did bad music. Oh Just yeah, throw it out <laughs> oh yeah, yeah that that could, that could be really good. Oh, yeah. You know, every band had every band had their misstep, and I'd like to hear you guys talk about it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, we should. We good should, suggestion. That's a really good idea. That is a really good idea, in fact. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll, we'll start, we'll well, start planning that one. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. I had a good time tonight. Yeah, man. Yeah, Great. of course. Anytime. All right. Keep on rocking so, uh, the free world. <laughs> do, yeah, do, 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 we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Do, 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 do. All right. All right, cool. You can't quote Nardwar and not fucking do the do, 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 do. <laughs> Am I the only one who knows who Nardwar? Oh, he already hung up, didn't he? Okay. I, I, no, he muted himself. He's uh, not. Gone. Oh, I'm sorry. I hit the wrong button. I, <laughs> I, um, you know who Nardwar oh, is, dude, don't you? Talk- you know who Nardwar is, yeah. don't you? Okay, thank you. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who Nardwar is. Who's well, Nardwar? shit. Go look up Nardwar. You'll be watching videos all night long. I promise. I, he, he interviews. I apologize, guys. I mean, I was talking so fast during my sp- my oh, section you're, you're there, which has been my biggest downfall ever no you were fine no you were fine you were good. totally fine talking fast everybody, is good on a podcast. Everybody, say, everybody, say, everybody, say, everybody, say, everybody say 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 everybody
everybody thinks they yeah that's no, very that's good, good. everybody good. thinks they, they're shit the first time that they're on no, everybody great. including right. me it should it be good. said I, I I felt my temperature rise like a million degrees and whatever because uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not a very good public speaker and uh, but no I do appreciate it. I had a really really good time like I said and um, hopefully we can do some other project at some point again it'd be fun Sounds yeah good. definitely we I the first person when I started thinking of guests to have on for this program you were literally the first person that I thought of. Well, I thought, I, well, I thought, you know, Manny did a great job. I listened to um, your cousin and um, Matt or Clark or whatever his name is, Matt's. Mm, Matt's. And, yeah. <laughs> and I liked him. Um, Jim Gross. I've met Jim Gross before. He's a good guy. I, I like Jim a lot. Yeah, he's great. Um, yeah. He, he, did, he did really well. And, you know, the person, the only other person who I don't know if you have anything lined up with him or not is, but you should talk to Aaron. Aaron's really good, too. I've met him several times. I went to Cubs games and stuff with him. Um, Fredrickson? No, no, uh, Wolfson. Wolfson. Yeah, we yeah. should have Wolfson on. We haven't had him yet. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah, he's... He's more, um, he's more into hip-hop, I think, but... Watching me as I pull up, fill up my tank, then pill out. Muscle cars 
they pull up, show you what these big wheels about. I, black and successful, this black man meant to be special. Cat scans on my radar, bitch, how can I help you? How can I tell you I'm making a killing? You made me a killer, emancipation of a real nigga. Georgia State Marcus Garvey got all the answers Or try to celebrate February like it's my B-Day Or eat watermelon chicken and Kool-Aid on weekdays Or jump high enough to get Michael Jordan endorsements Or watch BET cause urban support is important So why did I weep when Trayvon Martin was in the street When gang banging make me kill a nigga blacker than me Hypocrite <laughs> 